It is Monday, March 20th, 2023, and welcome to episode 196 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, Deputy Executive Director here at NSI, and today I'm joined by a special crew of guest hosts, Morgan Vigna, NSI Fellow and former Chief of Staff to the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., and Andy Kaiser, NSI Senior Fellow and former advisor to the House Intel Committee. Today we're talking about the International Criminal Court, or better known as the ICC, which issued an arrest warrant for Russian President Vladimir Putin and another key Russian official last Friday, alleging that the Kremlin is responsible for war crimes, including the unlawful deportation of children from Ukraine to Russia since the beginning of the invasion last February. Putin is just the third world leader to be indicted by the FCC while still in power. The other two were Libya's Gaddafi and Sudan's former President al-Bashir. And it is the first time the court has issued a warrant against a leader of one of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council. Not surprisingly, Moscow called the ICC's moves outrageous and unacceptable, with the Russian foreign minister saying ICC decisions have no meaning for us, including from a legal point of view. These arrest warrants come almost one month after the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And given Russia's denial of the accusations... In the court's overall authority, uh, Russia, like the U.S., is not a party to the Rome Statute. The practicality of these issue warrants uh, could be pretty limited. President Biden, for his part, called the ICC's decision, quote, justified and told reporters that Putin clearly committed war crimes uh, and that the ICC made a very strong point to call out Putin's actions over the course of this invasion. So the first question I have for the group is, you know, what is the significance of the ICC's charges and the arrest warrants? Um, do you think they're going to affect the Kremlin and what they're doing at all? Morgan, over to you. Thanks, Jess. I am genuinely surprised the ICC went down this road and indicted Putin, and I'm, I'm not sad about it. Um, this is arguably the highest profile action that the court has ever taken. And while we've seen the court go after other leaders, you know, as you mentioned, this is a completely different level. This is a global power who the United States has been very open that we are in competition with, and it's a P5 member. Symbolic significance of this can, really just cannot be overstated. Look, I, I think the practical impact is is different, though. Putin isn't going to turn himself in. Russia will not turn Putin in. And I doubt, highly doubt, that Putin will actually travel to a country that is part of the Rome statute where he would be at risk of being turned in. ICC fugitives have traveled to countries that have been subject to the Rome statute before. Um, and so, and they didn't get to Norton. So the track record here is really spotty, but nevertheless, the move itself is symbolically significant. Andy, what's your take? Do you think that, you know, do you agree with Morgan? There's not much impact. What do you think, you know, President, uh, Chinese President Xi is meeting with Putin right now? You know, what do you think they're talking about this morning? Yeah, reportedly, uh, the Ukraine uh, war is, is, is top of the agenda, but I don't think any of us should expect uh, Vladimir Putin to be, uh, you know, cuffed and stuffed. Uh, on his way to diplomatic uh, meetings in Beijing. Uh, but I, I totally agree with Morgan. I do think the, the symbolic uh, significance is, is uh, hard to overstate. Um, I think it will have almost no practical impact. Um, we don't see Vladimir Putin travel much these days. We don't see Xi Jinping travel much these days. It's uh, for a very similar reason. I think they're both worried about uh, what may happen at home while they're gone. Uh, so I think the practicality, no cuff, you know, he's not going to be cuffed, but certainly, you know, a pretty serious slap on the wrist. And I do think it indicates this level of international concern, uh, whether it's at the United Nations or other international fora about uh, this this action in Europe, which, of course, was, is the most serious uh, land war in Europe since World War II. 
And then, you know, given the U.S.'s past positions when it comes to the ICC, you know, President Biden's support, I got a little bit of side eye, you know, gave, raised my, my eyebrows a little. I mean, it's, you know, I get the messaging, but, you know, we had, uh, what, what do we make of that? Do we think there's U.S. officials at DOD that are worried about this is setting a bat, that, you know, a really scary precedent for what might come of U.S. officials being, you know, charged by the ICC or, you know, or is there, or are they really just looking at it as this an opportunity again on the messaging? Yes. So I think overall, Americans have invested heavily in helping Ukraine repel Putin. And this kind of international pressure is overall helpful. At the same time, though, the United States is not a party to the Rome Statute and actually has a very fraught relationship with the court. The last administration actually leveled sanctions on Fatua Ben Suda, the ICC's chief prosecutor, who was investigating allegations of U.S. war crimes in Afghanistan. So needless to say, I don't think DOD is leaping at the opportunity to, to partner with uh, the ICC and providing ev- evidence against Russia. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, now we do have a new chief prosecutor in Kareem Khan at the ICC. You know, he previously led a lot of the U.N.'s work to seek accountability for, for crimes committed by ISIS in Iraq. And while we all know that Putin is guilty of so much more than just abducting children. Um, I think Corinne Khan is taking bold action. And these steps should overall be welcomed, but the ICC also shouldn't really expect a lot of U.S. support. Yeah, we see uh, Lindsey Graham excited about the indictment, and you see congressional, you know, bipartisan group of congressional leaders actually going to The Hague and sitting down with ICC prosecutors last year, which would be unheard of, um, you know, 20 years ago with the Hague Invasion Act in the halls of Congress, right? Andy, what do you think? Do you, what do you think of uh, the embrace by U.S. policymakers of the ICC right now? Yeah, I do think it's restored some legitimacy to the to the court. I think uh, the court had a, a, a past history of um, seemingly uh, enjoying uh, sparring with with uh, the West. Some of on some you know petty or they're certainly overstating their their authority when you have these very serious uh, actions taking place around the world, including what Putin has done in Ukraine. For anyone watching this war closely or even passively, we see crimes against humanity committed uh, nearly every day, particularly with the, the, the purposeful targeting of civilians. No question that's uh, directly in the court's wheelhouse as far as prosecuting a case against, against Putin uh, that we clearly see violates international law. And, you know, President Biden is called for war crimes and genocide since last year, right? April of last year. So really early on, you know, we don't think Putin would have, I don't know the phrase he used, Andy, which was fantastic about being hauled away, but do we actually think he's going to be held accountable for all of these atrocious crimes at some point in the future, whether it's the ICC or a different body, like Zelensky's also talked about, um, you know, like a Nuremberg style trial that would encapsulate a whole, you know, a lot of crimes. Do we, do we think any, anything like that may be possible in the future? I think he's more likely to die first and then God can judge him. Yeah, I was going to say his his the judgment I, th- I think only probably comes from uh, the Russian people or uh, Grim Reaper. Wow, okay, so it's a positive look for the future. Well, thanks, guys. With that, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Agacon and Rachel Domino from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 